Welcome to The Money Hour with host Tina Mitchell and co-host Keelan Harvey. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 133075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome to the Money Hour at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, October 27th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. We are your local mortgage experts, bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events in our local economy and how it can affect your money. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we are both here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyr.com. And the lineup for today's show, we have Amy Morrison with Compass, uh, first time in studio today. And great topic, we're going to talk about how is having a baby and buying a home similar. Also in studio, we have Troy Thiel with Thiel Team at Windermere, the shifting market and how do we upshift Great information and great guests in studio today. As always, if you have any questions for our amazing guests, you can call the show at one 855 411 Again, that's one 855 411 or online at com. And we'll start out today's show as we do each week with a little money chat. Money. Money. A little bit about Money Chat or on Money Chat today in the mortgage arena where Keelan and I have our uh, space. We're going to talk about property inspection waiver, uh, PIW. Property inspection waiver is when an appraisal is not required. Now, not to confuse with a home inspection, the appraisal determines the value of the home and the inspection, home inspection, determines the condition of the home. Now, we've seen uh, recently, Keelan and I both in our refinances and purchase uh, loans, a lot of PIW come up, which is a little bit unusual from what we've seen in the past, or at least the recent past. And so the shift in the market, it's crazy that we've kind of seen these PIWs come up now that there's been a little shift in the market. But what a PIW is, is when uh, Fannie Mae, which is an automated system that uh, that is utilized, DU, desktop underwriting through Fannie Mae, is an automated system that use that lenders put their, the loans through that determine what is required from the borrower for qualifications. And based on information that is pulled through the automated system, comps and things that are coming up, sometimes Fannie Mae will state that it's a PIW, property inspection waiver, which means that the lender is not going to require an appraisal on that property. So the benefit for the consumer is they're going to not have to pay that fee for the appraisal. Uh, another benefit is it's going to make the process smoother in the closing timelines because you're not waiting for an appraisal. Uh, if there is any conditions and things that an appraiser may call, uh, that's not going to be called because the appraiser doesn't go out to the property. So as a buyer, potential buyer coming in purchasing a home or whether you're looking at refinancing your property, it's important to know that the lender is not saying that the property is valued at what you're paying for it or what the value that you're trying to get for a refinance that the lender is lending on. They're just saying based on the, uh, the data 
um, through algorithms and systems online are determining that it looks like the value is safe. So you will, as a buyer, have to sign a disclosure stating that you understand that the the property, the lender's not saying that the value is there. And it's up to you as a buyer and whether you feel comfortable moving forward with that or not. Um, there could be inaccuracies as far as a square footage and things that are going on in the market. And if you're concerned about the value, you know, you may make that decision to pay for an appraisal. Now, there are three types of appraisals um, that Fannie Mae's automated underwriting can ask for. The, the first one we just talked about was the PIW, which is no appraisal. Uh, there's an automated, uh, the other one is automated underwriting that comes back with an interior exterior full appraisal. So this is the most common uh, to be familiar with is where the appraiser is going to go out and do a full inspection of the property. The appraiser is going to go into the property. They're not looking in great detail like an inspector would, but visually anything to their eye that looks like there might be issue, um, um, cracked paint or um, fountain crack foundation or issues with the roof, then they would call to have that inspected to ensure that it's in condition that will approve based on what the lender wants. The next type of an appraisal would be uh, a drive-by appraisal. And that's where they're not having to go into the property, but they're actually just driving by the property. And it's really strange. We're actually not seeing very many drive-by appraisals through the automated system, um, but lots of no appraisals. So a little bit I wanted to bring on Money Chat just because we're seeing it a lot more. Um, and, you know, to let you know, again, you've got the option and whether you want to uh, have that appraisal or not, just so that, you know, if you decide to not waive your appraisal per the lender's requirements for the loan, and you want to get an appraisal, that appraisal is going to be used with the lender. So it's not like you're just getting an appraisal and the lender's not going to look at it. So just know that as well, that whatever the appraiser comes up with, whether it's a value Uh, that's not coming in or any work orders that the appraiser may call, now the lender is going to require to have that done. So a little bit for you on our money chat for the day. Coming up next in the money hour, how is having a baby and buying a house similar? Well, we have Amy Morrison with Compass right here at 1150 AM KKNW after the short break. With over 30 years of real estate success in three major markets, the Thiel team knows what it takes to help their buyers, sellers, and developer clients achieve their real estate goals. Use an expert. Contact the Thiel team today for a free consultation. The combined skills, experience, and tools of the number one office in the state, the Thiel team at Windermere Yarrow Bay will get you across the finish line. Call today at 425-941-8457 or email Troy Thiel at Windermere.com to connect. Hi, I'm Troy Thiel, and my wife Karen and I are the Thiel team with the Windermere Yarrow Bay office in Kirkland. We work throughout the Seattle market, and we love helping people achieve their real estate goals. If you'd like to talk to us about what your goals are and how we can help you, give us a call at 425-941-8457. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host Keelan Harvey on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. 
Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. Your local mortgage experts right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, October 27th show. It is a great day to talk money, and that's what the show is all about, how to make money, save money, and have a better quality of life for you and your family. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to rebroadcast, but you can call into the show at 1-855-411-50 to connect with our guests, or you can go online to themoneyhour.com. And in studio right now, Amy Morrison with Compass. How is having a baby and buying a house similar? Thank you, Amy, for coming in. First time uh, having you in studio with yeah, us. Thank you, Tina. This is really fun to be here. Appreciate you guys inviting me. Of course. And a little bit about Amy. Amy grew up in Redmond and graduated from the UW in collaborative literature. She has lived in Milwaukee for the last... Muckleteo. 12... Oh, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> Thanks for cracking me there, Amy. She has lived in Muckleteo for the last 12 years and has three daughters, ages 16, 13, and 10. Amy is a dual for seven years. She also substituted for the... Michael uh, Teal, thank you. <laughs> school district for a few years and volunteered in the schools as a volleyball coach for Boys and Girls Club. In the past, uh, she has also volunteered at Fred Hutch with Cancer Patients and was on the board of UW Medical Center Service League. For the past six years, she has been volunteering as a uh, custom designer for her kids' drama program at their high school and middle school. She also volunteers for a community lighthouse festival every year. And Amy loves enjoying the Pacific Northwest lakes and mountains and wake surfing and snow skiing. Wake surfing. Wake yeah. surfing. Yeah, that's it's a lot great. of fun. It's so fun. It's yeah. very fun. So... You touched on a very special place in my heart. So uh, a doula, I, yeah. my doula, Katie Domingue, uh, I, I hope I said that wrong because or right, it used to be Katie <laughs> Contos, okay. saved my life in my birth. Like yeah. my wife was done. She hated me and uh, Katie came in and saved the day. So you guys yeah. are miracle workers <laughs> Oh yeah, and what an amazing <laughs> thing. So um, that is a special person to do yeah. something of that nature. So I want to hear your perspective about how uh, having a baby is like buying a house. Yeah, well, I think um, my background, like you said, is is a doula, and it's a journey. Like this whole like going through childbirth is a journey. Buying a house is definitely a journey, Mm -hmm. and you're trying to get two or three or four entities like onto the same page to negotiate and be able to have this experience. Uh, be a positive experience. So I feel like all of the things that I learned as a doula um, about building trust with clients, I think being trustworthy is a huge part of what people are looking for in an agent. And so um, as a doula, I need my clients to trust me. And so I learned how to develop that trust with people. Being authentic is is huge. Being vulnerable and being honest in mm. everything that you do is a huge part of what people are looking for. I think especially with the market shifting and all the chatter that goes on, people aren't sure exactly what to trust. And so when you get a good agent that's going to be uh, – one of my favorite words is advocate. Yeah. I feel like my main goal as your – agent as your broker is to be your advocate. And I really fine-tuned how to be an advocate through being a doula, mm. but changing over into this uh, 
this new calling for me. Um, I definitely feel like I have a chance to work with people and make sure that they're protected, make sure that they have all the information that they need, especially the education, because they want to know, like, what is true? Like, what's really going on? They don't want to feel like you're um, kind of fluffing everything up and um, just to get them to buy something that they, they really shouldn't be getting into. So. Yeah. I, I want to protect their money and their investment there. So, so. what about uh, helping a family find their perfect fit, that perfect home for that particular family? Yeah. So I think it's really important that like my perfect home and your perfect home mm-hmm. are not going to look the same. How I use my space versus how you use your space is going to look different. So the first thing is to really get to know and understand how they use their space. And if they want a really great porch because they love barbecuing, Mm -hmm. then that's going to direct. We can, like, immediately go into a house and see, like, this is not the space. Like, this isn't going to adhere to the way we like to to live. Um, The other thing that can be really important is schools. And because I grew up here, Mm -hmm. I know the school systems in all of the areas around here because I have friends and family all over this greater um, Seattle region, um, I feel like that can be a huge part of what people are looking for. They want the insider information. We can all see what's um, on the internet as far as square footage and number of bathrooms and all of that. But what we what people want to know when they're using an agent is, what can you tell me outside of everything I can see already on the internet? And those are going to be Um, How can I use this space? Because I'm going to lots of houses, I'm touring all the time, I'm seeing how spaces are being used. And that's helpful as we go through and say, oh, you know, you could put a pool table in this area or you Mm -hmm. could, you know, use this for a theater room. And um, if you moved this wall, boy, that would really open all this up and then it would really fit what you've been looking for. So. Well, speaking of du- not to go back to doula, yeah, I'm you just can. you know I'm just passionate about it. She, you know, the birth yeah. of my my baby girl, London. Yeah. Um, I our doula pointed out so many details that we didn't think about, yes. and you know, and and things that I I wouldn't even know about unless I was educated. And so that's a that's a huge thing. You you made some points there about yeah. details that you don't really think about or know even to ask. Yes. And it sounds like, you know, that relates huge to somebody purchasing a home and, you know. I, Absolutely. And what, that's where that advocate comes in. Like, you don't know what you don't know. So I'm there to teach you what you don't know, but in a way that doesn't feel like I'm, like, controlling the, the situation, mm-hmm. but rather teaching like, here's what we can expect when we put in an inspection. Here's what we can expect. Like, we can expect that they may come at, back with nothing. They may come back with some things. And they may come back with all of it. And my job is to kind of educate, like, what that looks like, what you might feel, and how we're going to, like, go through that process. So let's say um, I decided that I want to buy a home. Where I mean, where do we start? What do we? What's your suggestion on where do we start this journey of purchasing a home? Well, Keelan, you're going to really like this answer. I actually <laughs> think the first thing that you need to do when you buy a house is get a really, really good mortgage lender. I knew she was going to say that. That's yes. right. That's right. <laughs> so I know that, that a lot of people are out there and they're looking on the internet and they can see all these houses and they're like, oh, the first thing I need to do is go look at all these open houses and decide what house I want. No, that's not actually what you want to be doing. What you first want to do is understand your money and the power that your money has and all the choices that you have 
because you may think, oh, we aren't going to be able to buy for six months. But did you know that they have different programs where you can put 0% mm -hmm. down, 3% down, 5% down? Maybe your ability to buy is actually sooner than you think that yeah. it is. And so I really think that there's a lot of power in knowing what your money can buy. Yeah, well, in common is, you know, we need 20% 20, 20 to get down to get into a home, or if we don't have 20% down, we have to pay PMI, when the reality is you can do loan options where you don't pay it or you're buying it out. So, yeah, lending is a good yeah. place to start that that plan. What about the importance of using a real estate agent? Yeah, so even if you're not going to use me or um, our colleague here, like, you really should be using a real estate agent because... They, again, like Keelan talked about, like they're really your your advocate. They're teaching you the things that you don't know. Um, right now, a lot of people are thinking, oh, can I uh, do for sale by owner? My my house is just going to sell itself kind of thing. And with this slowdown, I think we'll see a little bit less of that. But there are a lot of people that are trying to use some of these um, Internet companies that are only charging like a half a percent to just basically put your home on uh, the MLS. Mm -hmm. And there is some flawed thinking. So I have a story about that. Um, I helped a buyer buy a house that the the seller was using one of those companies. And um, my buyer gets into the house and finds out that the house has bud bed bugs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so, you know, here this seller had been thinking, oh, I'm saving all of this money mm -hmm. by not using an agent. And what happened is that then he's on the hook because he didn't disclose it on our seller disclosure form. Had he disclosed it, then it would have been on the buyer to have like accepted that as, oh, this house had bed bugs and I'm buying it with that risk. Mm -hmm. But because it wasn't disclosed, then now it's gone back onto the seller and it's been an extenuating circumstance where he is still paying. Mm -hmm. So the thought that I'm going to, and that's where I could have educated him and taught him if I was on the seller side, like, oh, yeah, don't fear that. Let's just go ahead and disclose it. We got to do full honesty and so that you're protected. Yep. And, um, yeah, so that's that's a huge thing. Another thing is that a lot of times you're going to get handed off with certain companies from person to person. I like building that relationship where I know you personally and I know, again, like how you're going to use that space and and really want to be looking for you and and thinking outside the box of what you might be thinking of about how to get that for you. Well, I mean, it's a competitive market with us as mortgage people, and really, you get what you pay for. That's at the end of the day, that's what it is. You know, uh, these companies are fighting for business and everything, and they're not in it to gouge you. They're in it to provide you a good service, and good yeah. service costs money. So you got to yes. be very mm -hmm aware of what's going on with that and if you're cutting costs it's going to come out somewhere so it is um where do you see uh, let's talk about the market a little bit where do you see yeah. the market going well of course we're hearing all of this like the market is slowing down and and what does that mean right now and one of the positives of this uh slowdown is actually we have a lot more inventory than we've had in a really long time so that actually is great news for buyers the other thing we were seeing a lot of is buyer fatigue, mm -hmm. where buyers were out, they were shopping, things were getting swept away, the, the perfect house just slipped out of their fingers. Um, we were also seeing sellers be really super stingy with their prices. I did several offers this summer where the sellers just wouldn't negotiate. They wouldn't come down 
or they wouldn't even counter the offer. So um, what's great about the slowdown is that buyers now have a little bit of a chance to um, get an idea of what they want. They can actually decide what they want, and then they can ask for more things. So we're not waiving inspections so much. Mm-hmm. We can ask for all of the contingencies that um, that you might want to ask for. So what about s- selling? I mean, would you say it's a good time for a seller to sell their home? Yeah. So this is a great question that's come up in a lot of our sales meeting, like, is winter a good time to sell? Mm-hmm. So the reason why winter might be a really great time for you to still put your house on the market is um, there is less inventory yes. during during the winter. When you are in a competition with other houses, you want to be in the smallest pool. That's what makes it the seller's market that we were having. That's kind of normalized a little bit more now. But selling in the winter, especially if you have any kind of house that has any issues, like it is up to a freeway or it has a really steep driveway or any of those things that might make it hard to sell, winter is a great time to bring on your house. So, Let's talk about... Uh... Compass. So there was recently a merge, and congratulations! I, congrats on that. That's exciting, yeah. and I know you're extremely passionate about Compass and yeah. what's happening and where you guys are going. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we we definitely um, kind of surprised uh, everyone with with this merge. So I was with Avenue Properties, and um, Compass is an amazing company that's really making waves in the industry. Um, they are kind of coming in and picking up kind of the top end of all of the the high-end markets. And they want to gather 20% of the market share of the top 20 um, markets in the United States and then going on into the world. So that's kind of making waves there. Um, their main focus, uh, Robert Refkin is an amazing uh, leader and Their main focus is actually to focus on the agent. So his mother was an agent, and he feels passionate about creating technology that's going to support the agent. And so um, what makes me better makes me better for my client. So I have all sorts of things to offer because of Compass. We have a new concierge program that is really interesting. You can um, basically get a loan from Compass and then pay for it at the end out of escrow. So once you're, you have closed your deal, you can pay for, let's say you had carpet and, and paint and that kind of thing that needed to be done. A lot of people don't want to do that upfront or mm-hmm. even staging. Um, that can be actually as a loan and then it can come out of your, your So really being net. able to, to help out the agents so that they can make it easier for their buyers and Absolutely. sellers. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining Keelan and <laughs> I. It's great to have you in here for the first time. Would love to have you come back. Thank you. I really appreciate having uh, being here and and hope to come back. Wonderful. Awesome. And coming up next on the Money Hour, the shifting market and how do we upshift. Troy Thiel of the Thiel team at Windermere right here at 1150 AM KKNW after the short break.
With over 30 years of real estate success in three major markets, the Thiel team knows what it takes to help their buyers, sellers, and developer clients achieve their real estate goals. Use an expert. Contact the Thiel team today for a free consultation. The combined skills, experience, and tools of the number one office in the state, the Thiel team at Windermere Yarrow Bay will get you across the finish line. Call today at 425-941-8457 or email troythiel at windermere.com to connect. Hi, I'm Troy Thiel, and my wife Karen and I are the Thiel team with the Windermere Yarrow Bay office in Kirkland. We work throughout the Seattle market, and we love helping people achieve their real estate goals. If you'd like to talk to us about what your goals are and how we can help you, give us a call at 425-941-8457. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. And co-host, Keelan Harvey. You're a local mortgage expert right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, October 27th show. We are here to help you build a strong financial blueprint one week and one show at a time. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. In studio right now, Troy Thiel with the Thiel team at Windermere, the shifting market and how do we upshift? Troy, I'm so excited to have you in studio. It's been way too long. I know you're just a crazy, crazy busy guy, and it's just an honor to have you here. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And a little bit about Troy. With over 25 years of experience as a leader in the real estate industry, as a broker, consultant, CEO, and an active participant in the industry's organizations, Troy knows what it takes to help the field team's clients reach their real estate goals. He has worked in three major marketplaces, Seattle Eastside, Madison, Wisconsin, and Chicago North Shore, and has been award-winning sales producer and CEO in each one. Troy is a longtime industry and community leader in many areas, including government affairs regarding real estate, economic development, affordable and appropriate housing development, uh, sustainable business organizations, bicycle and pedestrian advocacy and more. Troy, again, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Thank you so much. So uh, I'm pretty excited about this, Troy, um, because it's been a a theme. We're talking about the market. It was going 9,000 miles an hour, and then all of a sudden we pumped the brakes, and now everybody's kind of unsure. We're wondering what the heck is going on and why did it happen and where are we going? So it's just a lot about kind of the unknowns of the market. So where are we and why, in your opinion? We are um, at an inflection point. We were the hottest market of any major city, obviously, in the country. For 23 months in a row, we were the fastest growing uh, in terms of the median price. Mm -hmm. And with that said, you know, every coin has two sides to it, right? Mm -hmm. So for those 23 months, we were the fastest becoming unaffordable, quite frankly. Um, And, you know, that's always a challenge. Uh, As a 
person uh, who moved here intentionally because of the economic, amazing, dynamic energy that Seattle has, mm-hmm. there's there's obvious reasons why our story was so great for so long. That That's a record in, of any major city in the country. And so we have the dynamic economy, you know, it's techies, it's Boeing, it's, you know, and there's so Everything. many fantastic jobs, right? Uh, fantastic nature, fantastic mm-hmm. neighborhoods. I'm still blown away as I'm driving down 405 and there's Mount Rainier. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an Illinois guy. I mean, like a hill, <laughs> you know, a mountain is an overpass over a highway. You know, you know, I run out of breath as I ride my bike up to it. So um, um, it's an amazing story here. And um, the uh, market has, uh, I'm, a, I'm a three, I'm a simple guy, so I use three words. And the, the biggest one is affordability. Mm-hmm. Uh, hands down, that is our major issue and why our market has changed. Uh, there's some other, uh, other influences that we can talk about, uh, but affordability is the, is the dominant one. Um, and, and when that change happens, there are two other words, uh, confidence. People start to lose confidence yeah. in which direction yeah. the market's going. Yeah. And then there's perception, and perception may be wrong. Uh, you know, someone may believe that the market's doing this, and and the reality is the facts might be something different, but the mm-hmm. per- perception will get them to move or yes. not move, as it were. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, for example, right now, um, we sold 27% fewer properties September over September, mm-hmm. year over year in this marketplace. And there are some amazing values there. And you as lenders know, mm. interest rates aren't going to go down. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. Right? And there's some, and, there's, and you're, we're seeing price reductions. We're seeing... Um, um, li- Sellers bringing their properties on for five, ten, fifteen percent less than they would have in mm-hmm. March or April, where there would have been multiple offers sure. for us to yeah. deal with. And so, one of the things about the fourth quarter is it's usually the best time to be a buyer because mm-hmm. interest rates tend to be at the lowest for the year. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, with other factors happening, it looks like interest rates are going to continue to rise, and you have fewer competitive buyers. Yes. Um, and so, it's a great time to buy. So, um, what happens? What's happening in Seattle is a little bit of a perception and people are sitting on their hands a little bit and they're not um, uh, activating the market. You, I list a condo today in downtown Kirkland for a million. It'll sell in a week mm-hmm. if it's in good condition. Yeah. Um, there are uh, other markets that are similar if you price it right and there's demand. So we have reached a point where the market has dramatically shifted in terms of activity per house. Um, and that was go- it was bound to happen. We rose so fast in a six-year period from 2012 to 2018. All good things must come to an end, and what goes up must come down of a little. Of course, yeah. So, Troy, with um, all of the experience that you've had in the other markets that you have been in, in what's working, and I know that you just have a tremendous voice for here in our market to try to help with the affordability issue. Uh, can you talk a little bit about where you moved from and what was happening in their markets compared to what we're doing wrong here? Yeah. But we're going to get into some detail on some of that. But. Understood, yeah. Um, um, initially, I we moved here directly from Madison, Wisconsin in 2015. And uh, Madison is a great city. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my wife and I had always lived in the Midwest. And in 2012, our daughter Anna started at Seattle U. And uh, the way I relate it is 10 seconds after being on the, at the campus visit in April of 12, I knew she was going to school there. 10 seconds later, I knew we were going to move here because yeah. <laughs> we are big city people and we were Chicago uh, originally. And while we loved Madison, it was limited in experience and mm-hmm. that dynamic snap that Seattle and this area has. I mean, we can be in Vancouver, BC in less than three hours, depending on the border crossing, mm-hmm. Portland, everywhere in between, out on the San Juans. And so we wanted to be here because I also recognized, I started studying the market, is that Seattle was going to boom. With Job growth will lead 
real estate and housing and development, right? And yeah. we are we are the uh, pinnacle of job growth in the last six years. Uh, the challenge was as I started as I started to do my research is we had some state laws that were really blocking, is it, for one of a better term providing the right type of housing where an urban growing market in a big city like Seattle has or is and and the area uh, from being produced and being produced at affordable price points. Mm -hmm. In 2012, when I visited, I could have bought a nice house for 500 grand. That house is now close to a million dollars. And that is going to, that's going to, that that's going to leave a mark, if you will, uh, because only a certain percentage of our population can afford that. Uh, And so we, did not backfill, if you will, that $500,000 with quality new inventory options. And so the challenge with that is primarily the condo law and, and how they're handled in the state. Yes. Can you elaborate a little bit on that, Troy? The, the law possibly or more or less, you know, some of these possible solutions. Yeah, there's a lot of solutions to uh, the condominium law. The current law uh, was written in response to essentially no really good consumer protection laws back in the day in the, in the, in the first kind of chapter, if you will, if you will, of the Seattle condominium market where there was not significant protections for the consumer and there were some horror stories out there with buildings that were converted or built that mm-hmm. two, three, four years after the association and the individual consumers uh, take over, the sheeting of the building starts falling off. And there's, yeah. you know, it's a 40 unit building that with a $4 million uh, capital improvement need. Yeah. Ouch, right? Yeah. At the same time, people tend to forget it back in that time frame, homes were fairly affordable. While condos are a, a preferred uh, method of living for usually in urban markets the size of ours of 30 or 40 percent of our popu- of the population, like in New York or L.A. or San Diego or Chicago or Boston, um, in, Se- in Seattle, affordable homes were still a plenty. You know, we were talking yeah. about where you live, right? Yeah, you know, West, West Seattle. Seattle was super affordable 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, um, and, um, and so there's all these, you know, these properties that went up uh, in the second, uh, like Bellevue Towers and all these other condos that came online after the Condo Act, a Liability Act, which essentially overprotected the consumer and essentially was a shakedown uh, for lawsuits, yeah. for litigation. Yeah. And uh, litigation is not an efficient, uh, timely, or inexpensive way to fix defects or issues. And and it's proven that it's essentially blocked out um, huge swaths of new inventory at affordable price points. Um, in Vancouver, B.C., for example, uh, they'll, they'll bring on 20,000 condo units a year. Wow. And we, we were bringing on like an average of two. 150 a yeah, year. Yeah, that's cr- it's crazy. Right? And so that then compresses the demand into mm-hmm. that single family home space mm-hmm. and then it drives up the prices. Uh, and it, unfortunately, it's driven up the prices so significantly that it's driven it beyond uh, the means of many of our households. And yeah. we all here, at, uh, here in the studio, you know, we make our living by helping people achieve their real estate goals and investments yeah. and the American dream. And there are so many valid reasons why home ownership is a key a fundamental need for uh, for uh, a, a family, right, and yeah. a strong economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our challenge is that we we've not provided uh, a diversity of price points and types. Yeah. You know, in, in in some cases, it's zoning or the Growth Management Act or some other things. But in in the condo situation, that's a big one. 
So, Troy, let's talk about uh, condo conversion. So, you know, I, I want to make sure that our listeners know how much you're putting into this effort. And, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But um, and one of the solutions that you talk about is uh, condo conversion. So mm-hmm. share a little bit more on that. It's interesting, you know, uh, with the downturn and, and you may have noticed this, too, um, Amy, the uh, reality is that um, rental, the, there's a downturn in the rental market. Right? Yes. And there's a tremendous amount of inventory in the pipeline being built. Um, and we're seeing actually job growth slow down. Um, uh, the kind of conversion um, law here is is so deleterious. I just used a big word. Yay. Yeah, that's it. Say that again. Deleterious. <laughs> like yeah. Anyway, so I'm, I'm going to try to slip that in every conversation today. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's so bad. <laughs> Another word um, that it inhibits uh, condo conversions from being done, and in a couple of various reasons. The problem with that is condo uh, good quality condo conversions come in at a much more affordable price point to the marketplace. Yes, um, new construction in the Seattle market is extremely expensive. Carry time is three to four years. It takes mm-hmm. uh, we need it takes to get through mandated um, uh, governmental approvals. Uh, uh, labor costs are way yeah. up for lots of reasons. Material costs are way our way up. Tariffs have hurt that recently. Time is money. Um, and so the challenge of thinking we can solve our affordability through new construction, that just ain't happening. Yeah. So condo conversions provide um, a really great way to convert a quality building, make sure there are protections for the incoming consumers and actually the existing tenants. If I convert a building in downtown Redmond, I'll guarantee you 40% of the buyers are already living there. Yeah. Um, and they get access to home ownership and uh, developers would love that with all the pre-sales. Um, so there's ways to, to build in the law. And this is what happens in other states. But unfortunately, in Washington state, we went to the to the too far extreme. We had no protection. Now we've got too much protection. Mm-hmm. So the consumer essentially with that shift has no protection in terms of housing choice uh, and availability. And we are where we're at. Yes. Now, Troy, it's such great information. It is, it, yeah. yeah, let's. We're going to come back to this. Coming up next, we're going to stick around uh, right here with uh, Troy Thiel, the Thiel team at Windermere. We're talking about the shifting market and how do we upshift. Coming up after this break on 1150 AM KKNW. With over 30 years of real estate success in three major markets, the Thiel team knows what it takes to help their buyers, sellers, and developer clients achieve their real estate goals. Use an expert. Contact the Thiel team today for a free consultation. The combined skills, experience, and tools of the number one office in the state, the Thiel team at Windermere Yarrow Bay will get you across the finish line. Call today at 425-941-8457 or email Troy Thiel at Windermere.com to connect. Hi, I'm Troy Thiel, and my wife Karen and I are the Thiel team with the Windermere Yarrow Bay office in Kirkland. We work throughout the Seattle market, and we love helping people achieve their real estate goals. If you'd like to talk to us about what your goals are and how we can help you, give us a call at 425-941-8457. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host Keelan Harvey on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. 
and your co-host Keelan Harvey. A little bit delayed there, our local mortgage experts. I was. I was so excited about Troy. I just. <laughs> I know. I just so excited out. about our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. We're right here at 11:50 a.m. KKNW, the Saturday, October 27th show. We bring into studio each week the best of the best experts in our local market on everything money. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. But we're here to answer any questions or connect you with amazing guests that we have on studio today. You can call the show at one eight five five four hundred eleven fifty or go online at themoneyr.com. And still in studio, we have Troy Thiel of the Thiel team at Windermere. The shifting market and how do we upshift? So to go back to it, Troy, we were talking about um, conversion uh, from you know a multifamily to condominiums, how that'd mm-hmm. be cheaper, and. Uh, some of the challenges that we have with that. So let's talk a little bit about what's happening uh, to fix it or what can we do to fix it? Well, there's a lot of great conversations occurring. Um, um, the Washington Association of Realtors, uh, I was on the state board, um, and I'm on the Seattle King County Association of Realtors Government Affairs Committee. We created a condo uh, uh, liability group to address this mm-hmm. about a year, year and a half ago. And there's been some meetings about that. There's conversations about legislation. In Olympia in 2018, there were a few uh, things floated in the House, and um, they did not get through that would address some of the issues. Uh, uh, I think we learned from that. And what was interesting is uh, the state legislators that I know and I've witnessed in speeches, um, they thought they had a great 2018 Olympia, but when they came back, their constituents' number one issue was affordable housing, undoubtedly. And it's number one on their lips and and on their minds. And so there's what I love about about where we're at is we have the realtors industry, the builders industry, the nonprofit housing developer industry groups because they want to do condos too that are affordable. Yeah. Uh, we have um, housing advocates. You know, basically everyone in, in their quote unquote silos is talking about this. Um, um, I, I want to bring all those silos together, and there's ways to do that. Um, so um, it's there's good stuff happening. There's conversations happening at very high levels that are bringing legislation on. Um, uh, they're addressing some of the issues, defining what a defect is, mm-hmm. uh, giving. Um, a having the developers required them to have a warranty for mm-hmm. the common element and the mm-hmm. limited common element mm-hmm. uh, and giving them the right to cure rather than going straight to litigation, which is extremely expensive and onerous. And uh, most developers uh, put in their pro forma 20 to 30 percent more. They, that's how much more they charge per unit. Wow. The, the cost for the liability insurance alone, which has limits that pretty much are tapped out. The insurance agencies or the companies have left the building, if you will. Um, um, that adds to the cost and makes housing, this kind of delivery, even more unaffordable. So fixing that by giving them the right to cure it. And yeah. instead of going to litigation, uh, giving um, uh, uh, having a mediation arbitration, if the developer were to say, you know what, I don't think that's a defect, I'm not going to fix that, mm-hmm. have a mediator, mediator arbitration. That's one of the legislative uh, ideas that's been floated. Um, there's other important stuff that have, has been floated and, and is involved in the conversation, one of them is that the developer also would maybe contribute a percentage. That's what uh, the other states I've been active in to the capital reserve fund. So the consumer knows that, hey, I know six, seven, eight, nine years down the road if a hot water tank breaks for the association, there's money in the kitty, right? Um, And on top of that, a third party inspection at the beginning of the certificate of occupancy for the project that says, hey, we've had a a qualified inspector that says this building is in excellent condition, right? Right from the get-go. So if I'm a consumer, I feel protected because it's protected, there's a warranty, the developer has a right to cure. And then another important thing that is part of the current law that is uh, uh, looking like it's strongly going to get through is that it it absolves uh, from uh, liability to be sued the board of directors who have to make the decision to sue the developer. 
Got because it. in the, so they're essentially they're on the hook uh, currently. They can get sued personally too. Wow. Yeah, if they don't crazy. if they don't join the lawsuit. And so this is you know litigation is is the the rights of the trial attorneys uh, has sort of impeded everybody else's uh, and and this is the challenge of our time is we need to provide more housing at different price points mm-hmm. um, and more types of housing that Seattle and and Washington state needs. So Troy, great conversation. Does that equal action for us in the near future? Um, gosh, we hope, right? I know. Uh, it's a uh, tough one. It is. Uh, the silos are all talking about it. Uh, yeah. I was at the Master Builders Association Housing Summit yesterday, the official the action plan yeah, for housing. Yeah, you're getting around everywhere. Uh, how, yeah. how much time do you really have? You know there's 24 hours uh, in a day, yeah, right? Yeah, thank goodness for coffee. Uh, so, and, 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 and I'm taking naps now, too, a little <laughs> yeah, more often. You know? uh, but uh, the Master Builders had a fantastic uh, event yesterday, um, and um, I'm just going to read a quote. This okay. is where they're at. As our region continues to face a significant housing crisis, we believe bold solutions are needed to help meet this vision. It is vital that we close the gap between housing supply and demand and work together to make housing uh, attainable for all. Mm-hmm. And that is, the, if I were to read the Realtors' uh, last conference, uh-huh. it would be very similar. Yeah. Uh, I've been, I spoke uh, to the Washington Mortgage Bankers uh, Board of Directors at their dinner last week. I ran a national panel uh, in Las Vegas at a conference about this last week. Um, uh, next week, I'm speaking to the Washington Mortgage Banker investment group. Mm -hmm. Everybody is on this and state legislators are on this. I don't know where the governor is, but it'll be nice to get him involved with this. Um, So um, we have uh, gotten good uh, feedback uh, so far. One of the state legislators who was sort of blocking the legislation last year has gotten out of the way and is now is now part of the solution, which is fantastic. I think I think we have to remember that. Yes, we have a crisis. We have, quote, an inflection point. Uh, of where our market's at, this crisis is our opportunity to fix it. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, great people. Where this is the innovation center of mm-hmm. uh, of technology in the economy, let's let's, let's do that for housing, yes. right? Uh, so if I were to make a challenge, I always like to say start with the end in mind. And I would like us to to be the fastest growing in home ownership of any major metropolitan area because we are way under average when it comes to home ownership. Yes. And, when you, and when you have, yeah, when you have that big target, yeah. then you can backfill. What's it going to look like to get there? Mm-hmm. You know, Trey, you don't have a crystal ball, but I'd be curious to get your opinion. What, I mean, what do you, th- what do you, what do you think it's going to look like? Like what's our future here in Seattle? And I mean, there's the ideal scenario, but what do you think is going to happen if you had to make a prediction? Not to just put you on the spot like that or anything. Sure can. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. First, my hair will come back. Uh, uh, secondly, um, um, this is a real crisis. Uh, between now and the end of um, Olympia session in April, these silos, we're talking about coming together, the Washington mortgage bankers, the realtors, the builders, the nonprofit housing developers. And what's great to see is the legislators, when we, when I'm witnessing these, these events and these people talking, they're on the ball and they're That's researching it. That's really neat to hear. Yeah, mm-hmm. because this is this is the year for the big fix. This is this is not the, the year to go go low. Go, yeah. you know. I think there was there was. I have to be honest. In my opinion, an incremental approach to the fix the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at what's happened with our market, twenty seven. We lost twenty seven percent unit sales, and the median price was down ten percent from six months before. 
yeah. um, crisis. And and I <laughs> we haven't even talked about rental housing. Yeah. But as goes as goes uh, home sales goes rentals, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, this is all one of the reasons the chambers are also involved in business organizations. So this is an issue of of con- uh, for employment and consumers. Yeah. I mean, sure. HQ two Amazon that was a very, in my opinion, a very large uh, canary in a coal mine that we sort of ignored. Mm-hmm. That, that you know, you, your largest employers decided to gr- to grow the same size. Well, somewhere and I else. think that you know too is a big start of the consumer confidence or the perception, as you'd mentioned before the confidence and the perception go hand to hand and you know just having these things happening and these conversations going on um you know really started that yeah so i i concern yeah agreed and i think i think that you know sometimes it takes crisis and pain Sure. And now the pain is being felt in pretty much every area. Even even apartment owners and developers, they're seeing mm-hmm. a reduced demand for their qual for their for their product. At the same time, they've got a lot of product about ready to hit the road. So let's give them an option. Oh, yeah. by the way, single family home and subdivision builders are running out of land. And if you want to do the hour forty five commute each way, yeah. that's really hurting people. Our roads can't take that uh, as we expand. And so let's. Let's figure out how to be far more efficient with the stuff we already have built, conversions, and upzoning where appropriate. Hala in Seattle, and there's other examples throughout uh-huh. the suburbs, transit-oriented development. There's a, there's a, there's a nice laundry, laundry list of other ways we can fix it beyond the condo law. Yeah, well, you, sorry. You go ahead, Keelan. Uh, I was just going to say, you had me interested. I mean, the viaduct is done, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. In like January, there's a talk of all this transit and things going on, mm-hmm. and you know, we're talking about development our geography here. How do you think that's going to play a part in all of this as well? It's interesting. Um, you know, I'm a Chicago guy, and, you know, when I needed to get downtown, I just jumped a train, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Kirkland guy now. When I need to get down to Se- downtown Seattle, I just jump the bus. Yeah. Uh, or I ride my bike, or I'll occasionally drive, but driving is like 10 or 15%. I, w- I would encourage people just to try it. I got to the airport last week by a, a bus and a train transfer, uh, and I worked the entire time I was riding. So, you know, we're a big city, and half of us are from somewhere else, and half mm-hmm. of us live that urban existence. So we need to sort of plan, understand that that group is happening, and then we need to pay attention to what's happening already with transit-oriented development. The train line to the east side gets announced, and uh, in advance, I believe a lot of Redmond was already upsizing, knowing that that was coming. And then you look at uh, the Springs District in, in Bellevue mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. east side of 405. Humongous project going on right near the train station. Uh, those types of things we're, we're discussing in, in Kirkland at our uh, bus rapid transit locations going up 10 stories over air rights. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, over the 405, right? Wow. Because we can provide housing um, in an area that's not going to impair anybody's views, and it will be affordable. Uh, or it can be affordable wow, that's, if it's handled that's well. Some, uh, that's some out-of-the-box uh, solutions. Well, yeah. I, you know, I guess I, you know, I have a kid in Tokyo, 38 million people. And mm-hmm. I, every time I go there, I'm like, whoa, we can do this. And I'm a Chicago yeah. guy. And, yeah. I, and every four blocks where the L stops, there's, a, uh-huh. there's some nice um, uh, multifamilies and there's mixed density in between yeah. the zones. Um, and Seattle, I think, recognized this and the council did with Hala. Mm-hmm. Um, Hala got shut down a little bit and slowed down. There's going to be a hearing. Um, but I don't think the upzoning, look what's happening in the U district all that upzoning that's going to make yeah. the you i mean you're a, you're a grad you know uh how cool a place that is and it's just going to get better 
Yeah. Um, and people people always have a choice. If you don't want to live in a dense place, you can move somewhere else. Exactly. You're just going to have to sit in traffic a little bit. So, Troy, let's talk about the Growth Management Act and, you know, how long it's been since there's been any changes and how that might be a solution as well to mm-hmm. assist with affordable housing yeah, and, uh, and the inventory. Yeah, GMA is uh, yeah, definitely in the conversation. Uh, the Ruckles House Institute out of the Political Science Group uh, Department at uh, Washington State is going around the state and working with local electeds and city managers and stuff uh, and, and people that are involved and, and the citizenry on uh, – kind of strategic thoughts on how to fix it. Um, and then I've heard many state legislators and senators um, um, discussing that the GMA can be, we can st- we can strategically and surgically improve it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a plan that's been in the, I mean, that was done by planners back in the 80s and uh, processed in 1990. Things have changed. Its expectations of growth were a quarter of what we really saw. Yeah. So, you know, let's not, let's not pay allegiance to a plan that w- today's realities don't, actually reflect exactly. let's 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 adapt mm-hmm. that, that's important in in planning uh to the realities of the ground otherwise i I'm, ver- I'm i do have some concern if we don't fix these things in 2019 in olympia and we don't make some really strong movements to this big holistic fix like the master builders one and, and so many others um that that confidence and that perception you know once that starts the downslide it's, it goes down quick it goes down quick mm-hmm. and it's hard to stop yeah and uh i think th- this is our time to fix it this needs to be, we need to put a full court press in the next six months to not only strengthen what's being discussed today, but look and see what are we missing. And the conversion is, quite frankly, we're missing conversions in the conversation. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's critical and key um, uh, to, to providing far more affordable housing units. It sounds like we've just been kind of behind the times, really. Like, you know, it's just been, we're just not keeping up with some of the other places in the country. I mean, my family's from Europe. And just to see some of the, you know, the developments in bigger cities and stuff, we just hold on to this kind of, I don't know, rural. We don't want to change. We don't want to change. It's like a rural kind of feel type thing. So what advice would you give to like our listeners on how they can get involved or what, what should they do or... Uh, what can we do to help? Yeah, you know, again, if you're a part of any, uh, you know, this is a city, this is an issue for municipalities. This is an issue for business associations. This is an issue for your legislators. This is an issue for your community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, we're all paying higher and higher taxes. What are our, what are our car tabs to handle all this growth? I mean, ridiculous. multiply our car tabs times 4 million people. Ouch, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's not like this isn't affecting us, uh, and we need to be, we need to play a part of it with with our policy uh, leaders. Um, and you know, you mentioned Europe. You know, there's there's some concepts of other types of zoning that we don't allow for, like smaller mixed use. Two to four units are beautiful things. Yeah. Uh, if done well, you talk about Europe. Europe. I mean, I would love to build a two or a three or four flat, but m- all of Seattle and almost all of the major suburbs downzone those types of zone areas to single family only. Vancouver, which has a maybe even worse problem than us with affordability, uh, this literally upzoned every single family zone property to two to four units if you want it. Interesting. Except really? for historic, because they recognize that. Wow. Yeah, and so that's that. I think five, ten percent of those people are going to pick to do that at some uh-huh. point. Uh, they also have something called uh, the Heritage Home uh, uh, Movement, which allows for some really cool stuff. So we can learn from others. I think those that are listening need to understand that that there's a risk to all of us if we don't fix it. Uh, yes. I mean, median prices have come down ten percent. We were talking about this before mm-hmm. the show. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do, the equity that people have essentially quote unquote lost. 
Now the gain they almost doubled in a six year period. But exactly, yeah. you they, kind of put if you put that in perspective, yes. it's not as bad. It, but but yes. then yes. it's the big but. Let's yes. not backslide into affordability. Exactly. Let's supply side it because mm-hmm. the supply side also has the aspect of putting uh, more money potentially into government coffers to handle help the homeless issues. Of uh, you know through a- increased unit sales, that means more REIT tax. If a condo mm-hmm. building or an apartment building turns to condos, the actual tax increment that the municipalities make is forty to fifty percent more than if it's a single tax bill to one apartment owner. Yeah. Yeah, think about that. Plus, the re- it reduces the housing cost, which gives people more economic capacity to uh, make the economy grow even more. Yeah. So, Troy, we've got one minute to wrap up the show here. And just, you know, one tip that you have for our buyers out there that are listening, especially to the conversation that we've had today. Mm-hmm. Oh, one tip. One tip in 60 seconds, Troy. Oh, 60 seconds. Um, Uh uh, Contact your uh, city council, (laughs) your mayor, your state legislators that you know or you don't know and say affordable housing is the biggest issue of our community and what are you doing about it? We'd love to help um, consider... fixing the condo law, adding conversions, uh, addressing um, the ADU, accessory dwelling unit challenges that are currently in the legislation, uh, making them more liberal. Um, also, to uh, multifamily tax credits. So give, uh-huh. give developers incentives to do that. That's another issue that's out there. Um, we have got, uh, we've got to realize that we're a big city and yeah. we've got, and we can, let's play like the other big cities do and how they've provided housing across the spectrum of type and price points. And we need, and we need, we can learn from them. Love that. I love that one tip all combined into many. Troy, all the amazing <laughs> things that you're doing out there um, uh, for consumers' rights and affordability and just really uh, taking the wealth of knowledge that you have in other cities and what you've been in and see if it's working. Um, just a shout out to you. Well, thank you. Yeah, And yeah. people, are, people the, the talks are happening, but we got to get to action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I think get, uh, when the silos come together to help push it even more and we're, we speak, you know, there's strength in numbers together. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to, we're in a good place. We're not there yet. Let's, yeah. let's make the next six months stick love it exciting and this is tina mitchell signing off for the day and your co-host keelan harvey your mortgage experts local mortgage experts and we'll appreciate you listening to the show today we'll be here next week same time same place right here on 1150 a.m kknw have a great weekend Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 1330075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.